Well, let's go to Philippians chapter 4, as today we're going to study, continue on from last time regarding peace. If you might remember, last time we got together, we talked about how you know, we are to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, let our requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so, a lot of people struggle with anxiety. A lot of people struggle just with uh, worry. And the antidote there given to us in the scriptures is pray. 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 And it's beautiful because prayer is just talking to God. Pray. And then it says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And it's a beautiful thing to have peace. But the thing about it is that you can't just, you know, you know it's just not just one and done. You have to then add to that. And today what we're going to talk about is not just prayer, but meditation. Meditation. And so, you know, you've got to make sure that you win the battle in your mind. Some people are going out of their mind. Some, th- some people, you know, we're all mental to a certain extent. But sometimes, you know, if we get these crazy thoughts and we don't bring them into captivity, it'll ruin us. And so we're going to talk about how when you will meditate in your mind on the things that are right and not the things that are wrong, then not only will you have the peace of God, what we're going to see today, you're going to have the God of peace. And what that does is it takes it up another level. I mean, it's one thing to have the peace of God that surpasses understanding, that guards my heart and mind. It's a beautiful thing, the peace of God. But let me tell you something. The Bible's not random. It doesn't just say, well, let me flip these words around just to kind of have fun. No, it says now you're going to have the God of peace. And that's a completely different life that God wants us to have. We all live in the presence of God because God is omnipresent, but there is a special presence of God for those who can win the battle of the mind. And so it's a really important study today. It really is because we all deal with this. And, you know, sometimes when I pray for my wife or the, just different people, I, I, I have this visual, and I think I shared it w- with you before. It's kind of like the Iron Dome in Israel. Now, we have a graphic here of the Iron Dome, and I think some of you guys are familiar with it. Maybe the one, uh, the other one that's before it. I th- yeah, this one right here. And so think about, you know, since the war started, Hamas has launched these rockets, these missiles. You know, some say 3,000, some say up to 5,000 rockets have been fired into Israel. Now, Israel has the Iron Dome, and basically what it is is they have the technology to be able to they have these 10 uh, places in the nation that when they see these uh, rockets coming in, that they launch uh, counter uh, missiles that are able to intercept it. They have a 90% success rate and maybe even higher because when rockets are launched into places that are not populated, it's not triggered. And so anyways, you know, every single, every single anti-rocket, so you've got the, the missiles coming in from the Gaza Strip and then you've got, you know, Israel shooting their anti-rockets to take them down. Every single one of those is $50,000, And so it's very costly. So if you think about it, if 3,000 missiles have been launched by Hamas, so far, in order for Israel to defend herself, she has spent $150 million to make sure that those missiles don't come in. 
You know, the, thank God for the United States support of Israel. I think right now they have invested $3 billion into this uh, system right here. Israel, you guys know the Jews are so brilliant. They're the ones that developed the technology, but the Americans were the ones that have funded it in large part. And so anyways, the reason I bring that up is because that, that in one sense, that's the way it is in our mind. The enemy launches these lies in our direction he launches these missiles. He launches these rockets. And like I think of my wife and I think, okay, Lord, when I'm praying for her, I, and I visualized it, I visualized, Lord, let there be a dome over her. Let there be a protection over her so that those things don't get into her mind. Don't even let the enemy launch those lies. But if he does, because we know that's the way he works, he's just a liar, right? Uh, as he works, um, if he does, Lord, then you absorb them. But Lord, if for some reason they're able to penetrate her atmosphere, then Lord, help her to lift up her shield of faith wherein she could quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so think about it. Israel spending $50,000 on every single one of those rockets in order to protect their citizens. We need to have the same heart. We need to have the same mentality that when any, any lie is launched in my direction, my wife's direction, my family's direction, the flock's direction, that any one of them, Lord, don't let any one of them reach their mind. Because I tell you what, if it reaches the mind, it can then very easily reach the heart. And that changes everything. You know, in one sense, just as the mouth is to the stomach, the mind is to the heart. And that's why you have to win the war of your mind. You have to win that war that we can't, you know, believe lies, that we can't dwell on lies. We can't allow those things to sink in because eventually if they, you know, reach our heart, then that 18 inches can change your life. Now, thank God for us as Christians, the war is already won, amen? Because Jesus Christ has died for our sins and we are washed clean and free by his blood. Amen? And so the war is already won as Christians, but the battles, the battles along the way, this is why we have to, if you want peace, you're going to have to pray, pray, pray. And if you want to hold on to that peace, you have to make sure you win this battle in the mind. You know, so Philippians 4, 6 through 7 we went over that last week and God addressed the anxiety and worry that a lot of us experience or struggle with in life. And I just know that as a pastor, as an old guy, I know, you know, a lot of people deal with things like that. And my heart goes out to you. And so here we see that God said the prescription uh, for worry is to pray. Just pray, talk to God. The promise will then be peace. But it's not just any peace. We read it there in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It's a peace of God that surpasses understanding that guards our hearts and mind, right? But then from there, it's not over. You know, it's not one and done. From there, we need to add to the practice of prayer in adoration and supplication and confession. You need to add to that adoration meditation. You know, and I really want to encourage you guys. You're like, you know, you're like, well, wow, this is something that I would consider a spiritual discipline that unfortunately the New Agers or the Eastern religions, you know, they, the Buddhists or Hindus, you know, they, they're the ones that have unfortunately cornered the market on meditation, but it's not supposed to be that way. We Christians are supposed to be engaged in meditation. Meditation, we're going to see today on things that are good. And so you need to, you know, schedule in 10 minutes here just to meditate on good things. 15 minutes, the Lord will show you how to do that. We're going to see how important it is. 
God will give us peace as we pray to him and go to him, but we lose that peace if we go elsewhere. Tony Evans said, one of the reasons we don't keep our peace is because we tend to dwell on the things that are set in opposition to the peace we're asking for. We mull over a lie or bad things that could possibly happen. But if we continue to entertain messages that work against our peace, then anxiety will soon return. And so we, 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 we must not only pray obediently. I hope you know we have to think obediently. And so in the letter to the Philippians, Paul, he mentions the mind nine times, emphasizing the fact that we need to fill our minds with holy, healthy food. You guys know this, right? We are what we eat. Amen? Some of you guys were tacos right now, you know? I mean, we're... No, I'm just joking. You know, our body has the ability to process things, and hopefully they're good tacos. We had some good tacos. But, you know, what I said is so important to know that what the mouth is to the stomach, the mind is to the heart. And so let me ask you a question today. How do things enter your mind? How do things enter your mind? I want to give you four things, okay? Number one, your eyes. Your eyes. And so you're watching television, you're watching movies, you're on your phone. Some say, some say up to seven hours a day screen time when you put the phone and the computer and the television all together. So the one, one uh, inlet towards your mind is your eyes. Another inlet is your ears, obviously, right? Uh, you know, and with your mind, you can also read books. With your ears, you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to people. Those all go into your mind. Uh, another source of, of thoughts are our flesh, just us. We're fallen people and sometimes you get a really bad thought in your mind and you're like, oh, the devil's so bad. He put that thought in my mind and no, it wasn't the devil. It was you. We're so bad. And so sometimes those thoughts do originate from the flesh. So you got the eyes, you got the ears, you got the flesh. And then the fourth thing is your foes. Foes, I mean, you know, enemies. And that could be demons. It could be the devil himself. It could be the world that there's so much noise and nonsense that we're putting into our minds. And if we lose this war in our minds, then we lose everything. You know, we lose the battle. And so for us, Philippians 4, 8 and 9, probably one of the most important verses you'll ever study. Look what we read here in verse 8. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. So there are six things he mentions there. And then these next two may be more general. If there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. And so earlier we saw verses 6 and 7 that we find peace on our knees. Here we see in verses 8 and 9 that we keep peace with our minds. We have to focus our thoughts on things that are true and noble. We have to fix our minds on whatever is just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and worthy of praise. And if we do, not only will we have the peace of God, but we'll also experience the God of peace. And I'm telling you guys this, and if you haven't experienced this, this is a different level of Christianity. 
when you win that war with your mind, it's not just the peace of God. Some people don't even have the peace of God because they don't pray. This is why you have to win that war too. You have to win the war to pray. How should I pray? What's a healthy prayer life? A healthy prayer life is an obedient prayer life. God tells you to pray 10 minutes a day, then pray 10 minutes a day. If God tells you to pray an hour a day, you pray an hour a day. It's not something that I can tell you. No church can tell you. Only God can tell you. But you've got to listen to God. You have to ask him, Lord, how do you want me to pray? And God will tell me sometimes, get on your knees. Sometimes that's what he'll tell you. Get on your face. Sometimes you're standing. Sometimes you're sitting. It could be here. It could be there. It could be this amount of time. But you have to have a, an obedient prayer life. And then secondly, you have to have an obedient thought life. This is how we experience the God of peace. William Barclay said, the human mind will always set itself on something. And Paul wished to be quite sure that the Philippians would set their minds on the right things. This is something of utmost importance because it is a law of life that if people think of something often enough, they will continue to the stage when they cannot stop thinking about it. Their thoughts will quite literally uh, in a groove out of which they cannot easily escape. It is therefore of the first importance that people should set their thoughts upon the fine things. And here Paul makes a list of them. You know, Paul calls us, look again in verse 9, I'm sorry, verse uh, 8 towards the end. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, he says, meditate on these things. And in the Greek language, it's a present tense imperative. It means continuously meditate on these things. So we continuously meditate on things that are good. And so I was thinking about this, and I know you guys have probably heard this uh, maybe even from me many times, so forgive me for being repetitive. But um, I honestly, when I think of meditation, I think of the way that the cows uh, chew their cud. Now, you guys know how cows and there are other kinds of uh, animals that have uh, that, that way of chewing their cud, right? So they say that a cow uh, has, and, I, and you know, some people will say four stomachs, but I, I read this uh, on Science on the Farm for Kids, and so this is good for me. <laughs> One stomach with four distinct compartments. And so the way that the cows, they have to eat, the, the, the grass has to be long enough in order for it to chew long enough, in order for the saliva to then enter in. And so it's crazy. You know, they, so they chew the food, and then it goes into a compartment, and supposedly the evolutionist will say that what the, the, what the reason for that is because it goes, it gets the grass, it puts it in its compartment, and then one another, you know, because they got to get away, because then there might come a lion or a beast that come after them. They go and they find a hiding place, and then they bring it up out of that, you know, that, 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 that part of their stomach. And then, you know, they, by that time, it's already been softened up, and it's put into a um, cud or um, like a wad, if you can visualize that, and then um, it comes back up, and then they start chewing it some more. They have to chew it, uh, it says, uh, 40 to 60 times, uh, way over a minute, and by that time, we're talking about all the chemicals that have been mixed together. It goes into another compartment, and then to another compartment. Finally, it enters into the intestines, where it is digested, And it is there during the digestion that it gets the nutrients that are necessary in order to make milk. And it takes 70 hours for it to go from the grass to the milk. 
And so it, all that, you know, the, the, God, the evolutionists are saying, you know, that God, you know, not, they're, they're taking God out of the equation. And I'm like, Lord, this is amazing the way that you're so creative that you would create a, an animal like this. And I think in one sense, probably primarily making it um, as an illustration for meditation, because that's what we're supposed to do. You can't just come to the Bible study and then, you know, it's one and done because, like, for example, if a cow eats corn, it's not going to be good enough because it's too, it's not, the, the saliva and the ingredients that are all put together, it'll just go straight through it. And so it needs something. You need to, we need to actually regurgitate it or whatever. We need to bring it back up. We need to meditate on it. And, and, and we're going to see in different verses, you know, talk to the Lord about it. Talk to yourself about it. You know, you're meditating on these things because it's only then will you be able to, to digest it to a point where it becomes actually spiritually beneficial for your life. And so this meditation is, is huge. And so what are we to meditate on? Now, Paul gives us uh, uh, some things. Number one, whatever things are true. So not, not on lies not even on potential lies, not fake news, not fake news, but real news, true news, good news, not conspiracy theories. You can't meditate on conspiracy theories because by definition, a theory is a supposition which means it's an uncertain belief. So you can't meditate. I'm not saying that you can't experience theories because sometimes theories are the way that you find truth. But if you're obsessed with that, if you're obsessed with theories, then you will never have the peace of God or the God of peace. You know, we're we're to meditate on things that are true. And the word true, it means that which is uh, past full scrutiny. It's been attested and it's real and genuine. I mean, you know, if you think about it, the world is, is filled with, with lies. And where do those lies come from? Who is the liar? Lucifer. He speaks the language of lies. Jesus said, when you talk, that's all you can say because you were a liar from the beginning ever since you fell. And that's all you can do now, he said in John eight forty four, right? And so whenever you entertain lies, whenever you believe lies, whenever you dwell on lies, whenever you meditate on lies, you're falling right into the trap of the enemy. And so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that we are to bring every thought into captivity. It says casting down arguments and everything, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. You know, David Guzik said, strongholds in this context are are wrong thoughts and perceptions contradicting the true knowledge of God and the nature of God. These strongholds are expressed in arguments and every high thing that exalts itself uh, against God. And so you get a thought about a person, you know, and you look at them and you think, well, I don't know, they don't like me. Why do you think that? Well, I just have a hunch. Maybe the devil put that thought there. Maybe they love you. Maybe they love you. Don't let the enemy manipulate you. Meditate on things which you know are true. 
Don't meditate on things that are lies because once a lie finds a home in your mind and then in your heart, it goes deep and it manipulates and controls who you are. The way that I figure it, you guys, is I love you, you love me. If that ever changes, tell me. <laughs> but if, if, if not, you know, let's live like this. We can't meditate on, on, on lies. Um, you know, what do we know to be true? I'll tell you what, uh, I'll meditate on God because I know he is true and he is awesome. And he spoke the universe into existence by the power of his word. I think about that sometimes, how he spoke the galaxies. Imagine how awesome that God is. And you start meditating on him. He made the world. He maintains the world. He knows every single star by name because of his power. Not one of those stars is missing. And that same God loves me. That same God died for me on a cross. John chapter 1 verse 3 said everything was made by Jesus. So the one who made everything died for me. And you just start meditating on God. You know this about God. And and you start meditating on God's word. You know, Psalm 1, isn't it interesting? The very first Psalm. And you got to know it. I mean, you always know the the book of Psalms are awesome, right? But the very first Psalm, I mean, it just sets the tone. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. Day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf doesn't wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Whatever he does will prosper. And what does that tell us? That tells us how important it is to do what? To meditate on the word of God. Don't meditate on lies. Paul right here, he's writing, he says, listen, whatever things are true. One of my favorite scriptures is Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, where it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God doesn't hide what it takes for us to be successful. God doesn't hide what it takes for us to experience spiritual prosperity. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And you might be, be like, what are you talking about, you know, mouth? Well, because meditation, it says you shall meditate in day and night. Meditation is when you're talking to the Lord about it. You know, you're like, hey, Lord, what does this mean? And hey, I think this. And you start connecting and you start having this conversation with God and with yourself. People will think you're crazy, but they're the ones that are crazy. It doesn't depart from your mouth. And so meditation on that which is true, whatever things are true. Number two, whatever things are noble. Noble, there's a a cool word, honorable, worthy of respect, dignified, respectable. Uh, William Barclay said the word really describes that which has the dignity of holiness upon it. You know, we're, filling, we're, we're living in a world that is filled with ads and, and billboards that want to fill our minds with the exact opposite of that which is noble. You know, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but they say the average American is exposed to four to 10,000 ads every single day. Think about that. That's a lot. And if you're on your phone a lot, you're looking at ads, your computer, wherever it might be, your television, 
And so that's a lot of ads, and you guys know those ads are pretty much wanting you to buy their products. Sometimes it's a materialistic you know, thing. Hey, if you get drunk, this is the girl that you'll get, or whatever. If you get this car, everybody will like you. And they start, you know, this is how they seduce you. They, the girls that are not dressed properly. And so we get bombarded with that. We get bombarded with so much things that are ignoble, things that are worldly. And, and right here we see God says, no, don't look at those 350,000 billboards in the United States of America. I feel sorry for people who have to go down the 60 freeway. You guys know there's crazy billboards there. My wife doesn't let me go that freeway. She's like, hey, you got to drive the streets. <laughs> you know, it's like whatever things are true, that's what I'm going to let into my mind. That's what I'm going to dwell on. That's what I'm going to believe. Whatever things are noble, Right? Those bad thoughts or solicitations can also come from the lusts and the fears of our own flesh or the lies from our foes. You know, if any one of those things are toxic truths or we can say untruths, but you guys know what, it can be toxic, then that will, if it finds a home in my mind, it will take away the tranquility and if it reaches my heart, I will experience anxiety. And God says, no, that's not how I want you to live. How are Darren and Mercedes able to go to Cambodia for 30 days? It's the peace of God that rules in their hearts. Colossians talks about that. It's the peace of God that they experience because they pray and because they meditate on God's word. That peace of God is so powerful. But it begins as we win that battle in our mind. You know, Psalm 101, verse 3, it says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. And so that's a really good verse to put over your television set. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. And so, you know, your kids are walking by. You you know, there you are as parents. You're watching this crazy movie with all the foul language and all the skin that's being exposed and all that craziness. And they're like, hey, mom, what does that verse right there say (laughs) right above the television? You know, oh, yeah, that's right. Let's change the channel here, you know? And again, I don't want to be legalistic. I have to be really, really careful on this because sometimes there's good things that we're watching on television and the Lord has different convictions and freedoms and things like that, liberties for everyone. But I will tell you what, when I'm reading this right here, I'm like, man, Lord, you know those eyes, those ears, the things that we're taking in, you got to be so careful. That flesh, those foes, it'll take us down. This is why I like Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart, literally in the Hebrew, it's guard your heart. Because out of this, it determines the course of your life. Luke 6.45 says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is why you have to guard what goes into your mind, what goes into your heart. You know, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, number three, whatever things are just, and so this word just, it just means right. It means right or righteous. And you guys know, if you're, and you know, you got to eventually come to a place in your life, if you want to be a healthy Christian, you eventually have to come to a place in your life where you are honest with the Holy Spirit. When he says something is wrong, you're like, okay. You know, God has told me, and I'm sorry to talk this about, I talked a lot about this, but I know that guys, 70% of men are struggling with pornography. And sometimes it's soft porn. You know, and God has told me, don't look at that. Don't slow down when, oh, hey, I want to check out this news thing right here and it's because of the girl. Don't do that. Whatever things are right, not wrong. 
That's what we have to fill in our mind. Warren Worsby said, this means worthy of respect. There are many things that are not respectable and Christians should not think about those things and dwell on them. It doesn't mean that we hide our heads in the sand and avoid what is unpleasant and displeasing, but it does mean we do not focus our attention on dishonorable things and permit them to control our thoughts. You know, we're going to see things. If you want to know what's going on in Israel, if you really want to know, you're going to have to see some, some images of people that were burned in their cars. You're going to have to see images maybe, and maybe not, you know, but I, you might have to see that baby with all those bullet holes. You know, and that's life, you know, but we don't dwell on those things. We don't meditate on those things. We're informed by them, but we meditate on things that are of the Lord. Right here in Matthew 16, 21, it says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. In other words, he said, I'm going to have to die on a cross. They're going to take me. They're going to persecute me. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to rise the third day. They didn't hear that last part. Peter then took him aside and he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And there it is right there, that the mind, unfortunately, tragically, it gets sometimes, you know, it gets so base that all it's interested in are the things of, of this earth, things of men, not the things of God. And so there's the Lord saying, This is how I'm going to save the world. And Peter says, oh no, oh no, you're not going to do that. And the Lord says, I love you, Peter. You just had a supernatural revelation a second ago, but now the devil's talking through you. You need to get your mind back on the things of the Lord. You know, I I was, uh, this last week, I was on my way home and I got a a phone call from my, my friend and he, he called me because his grandma was over his house and she's a beautiful uh, lady. She's in her 90s and she's suffered a lot of physical trials. And, and you know, can you imagine being in, in your 90s? That, that might happen, but she's as sharp as a tack. I'll tell you that much. And so physically, it's been very difficult for her. But anyways, he called me and I think we even FaceTimed for a little bit and I was able to talk to his grandma. And I love this lady. She's an amazing lady. But, and so, you know, as I'm talking to her and I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, how, how are you doing? And I'm expecting her to tell me about her, her physical calamities, you know, because she's been going through it, you know, in the hospital, different things, stuff like that. But it was not anywhere in her radar on her conversation. All she could talk about was the Lord. All she could talk about was the kingdom of God. All she could say was, I'm praying for you. For me, I should be praying for you. But to me, it was just a powerful example of how you have an individual who could very easily be set on the things of the world, the things of the earth, the things that I'm going through. It's an individual who, no, they got their mind on the Lord. And this is how we need to be. This mind, these thoughts, because I've talked to a lot of other people. I've been in convalescent homes, my wife and I. And again, I'm not trying to judge them or anything, but most of them in those places, in those convalescent homes, most of them are not just engaged with the things of God. 
and your heart goes out to them. But when I saw this, I said, Lord, this is what you want. This is what we need to meditate on, things that are are true and, and noble and just. And then the fourth thing he mentions right here, things that are pure. And it speaks of something clean and modest, morally innocent. It's related to that word that we get the word holy. And so it's an interesting word because, you know, when you look at the, the Greek language in historical cultural Greek, this word right here was actually used when they would go and they would sacrifice to their gods. And you guys know how it is here when we go and we do a special event and they'll say, okay, we're going to have a moment of silence. You know how we have a moment of silence? Well, this is the Greek word that they would use. And basically what it meant is you go in and you're going to sacrifice now and they would have a moment of silence. And what that meant was this thought now, the thoughts that you're having now are worthy of the presence of God. And that's what this word is, is talking about, that, that, this, that, that we have to have thoughts that are, that are worthy to be in the presence of God. It's almost like you're thinking of it and God's thinking of it. You're thinking of it together. This is what is supposed to happen in our minds. Do you guys, because I know I believe this, do you know that God knows everything you think? You guys know that? Everything you think? The devil doesn't. He can put thoughts in your mind, but he can't read your mind. God knows everything we think. You know, some of you guys are thinking of in and out right now. <laughs> Lord, forgive them, please. Colossians 3, 2, it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Whatever things are lovely, and this is such a beautiful word, it's, uh, it means extending towards, it's the two Greek words, extending towards phileo. Now, phileo is the word for love, but, you know, Philadelphia, brotherly love. And so those thoughts that you're thinking, can I ask you a question? Are those thoughts that you're thinking thoughts of brotherly love? Because a lot of times those thoughts that we're thinking are the exact opposite. We think bad things about people and we shouldn't. God says, no, what we have to have is brotherly love. You know, you love the Lord as much as the person you love the least. So think about your life for a second. Who is the person you love the least? You're like, ouch. That's how much you love God. We're Christians are different. Christians are different. You know, the Bible says in Mark 12, 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. We have to meditate on things that are, that are lovely towards those around us. Number six, whatever things are of good report. With good report. And uh, this right here, it speaks, and it's an interesting word. It, it speaks of, uh, it's sounding well of our words that are gracious, reputable, good speech. It implies words that have a, a good outcome. And so how many of you here would... I mean, I'm old enough to know that there are some people who are, are optimists and some people who are pessimists, huh? How many of you here are optimists? I'm just curious, all right? And how many of you here are pessimists? Be honest, be honest, okay? All right, so the, all the pessimists come up for prayer real quick. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, you got the positive and you got the negative. And I think in one sense, the way that we're wired or brought up or different factors are involved. And so you can't, you know, it is what it is. But what we have to do now is we have to try to bring everything into submission to God. And this is what he's talking about right here, that 
not, not only guarding what I put in my mind or put before my eyes, but now right here, the things that, that, that sound good, that, that, are, that, are, that are good, there's an interesting passage Jesus tells us in Mark 4, 24, that we are to um, take heed what we hear. What we hear. You're listening to that podcast. You're listening to that whatever it is, that person, and they're just pouring into you. you take heed what you hear, and then take heed how you hear in Luke 8.18. He says, if there's, any, if there's any virtue, if there's any virtue, and that right there is a really interesting word in classical Greek. It, it just basically means uh, words that are excellent. This is what we need to bring in, because like I told you guys earlier, we are what we eat. Bring in excellent things. If there's anything praiseworthy, you know? And if you can praise God about it, then you can dwell on it, meditate on it, and you can let it into your mind and then eventually into your heart. And as you're there and you're reading the word, you're meditating on these things, uh, then I, I like what it says in Philippians 4.8, an amplified version. It says, think on, weigh, and take account of these things. Fix your mind on them. Or the Weiss translation says, these things make the subject of careful reflection. And you go in, it goes into that first stomach, it comes back up, you know, it goes into the second, then the third, then the fourth, and then it gets into the intestines and then it gets digested. And you and I, we are completely different now. And I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian for 34 years. I am not done growing. I am not done changing. I pray that we would grow as Christians, that we would change as Christians. How long have you been a Christian? And some people, they've been Christians, man, for longer than me, you know, and it's just, um, again, you got to be so careful. My prayer is, Lord, Lord, let there be a transformation, please. You know, Paul here, as he closes in verse 9, he says, that the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace, there it is, will be with you. And so if you put it all together, um, verses 6 through 9, right praying, right thinking, and right living will then bring the conditions necessary for victory. And we will experience what he mentions right here in verse 9, the God of peace. Now in looking at verse 9, I think there is an aspect of doctrine because look again at verse 9, the things which you learned, the things that you received, the things you heard, you saw in me, these do. So there, I think there's an aspect of doctrine, so it's doctrinal, but I also think it's very practical. Paul the Apostle is writing from prison, but he has joy. Joy. And it's not fake. He's writing from prison, and he has joy. He's writing from prison, and homeboy has peace. His peace. How? Pray. Meditate. Obey. It doesn't matter what your circumstances will be. You will have power. And this is what we see right here. The things you learn, receive, heard, and saw in me. He's saying it's not just doctrine, it's practical. Now I want you to go, and I want you to do the same thing, because I want something for you. I really do. And you guys, even today, and I, and I don't want to sound like, you know, weird or anything, but it's probably too late for that. I'm, you guys know, know me a little bit. 
man, I want you to have victory in your minds. I want you to have victory in your life. I want you to experience peace. I want you to experience the peace of God. And I want you to experience the God of peace. The God of peace. Not that we're any better than anyone else, but this is a different level of Christianity. And it all begins right there in this mind. Now, this is of great significance. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit. And so what he's saying right here is I'm praying that this God of peace, some say it's a favorite title Paul has for the Lord, the God of peace would sanctify you body, soul, and spirit. So that's huge. That's everything that you are. I want all that you are just to be sanctified, ready for the return of the Lord. And then not just you, but then look what it says in Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And that's what we want. We're in a spiritual battle. You know, the enemy is strategizing and how can I take them down? And, you know, you won the war. You're a Christian. You know, that's a really cool thing. But I, I pray that you win the battles because God wants to work in you and God wants to work through you. And you know, they say a weak mind is like a microscope. It magnifies lies. Don't have a weak mind. My prayer is by the grace of God, we would have a, a strong mind. But we need to have a clean mind. Will Rogers said, what the country needs is dirtier fingernails and cleaner minds. Now, I don't know how that works for the ladies, but I know for the guys <laughs> that'll work, right? Descartes, that French philosopher, he said, uh, cognito ego sum. Translated, I think... Therefore, I am. But we need to remember, what I think determines who I am. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And so my prayer is that we would meditate on these things that, that Paul shared today. And, and if I can maybe even simplify it, you know, don't go you know, dwelling on these things that are lies and theories and all that kind of stuff. Um, my, my encouragement to you, I guess maybe a, a safe place to be, especially for us as a church, I, I can close this way. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Not a pastor, not that so-and-so, and they get you know all the accolades and highlights. Do you realize who we are? We are wicked men, wretched men, we are nothing apart from him. Jesus Christ is the one and the only one we are to fix our eyes on. You know, I know the Catholic Church, some people criticize them because they have Jesus on the cross. You know, and they'll say, well, Jesus is not on the cross anymore. not on the cross anymore. Yeah, I understand that. He's not on the cross anymore. And I don't have a, a crucifix necessarily at my house, but never forget that picture. There he is, the one who died for us. 
He bore our sins, our punishment. You know what? Hebrews 12, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, you know, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I pray that we would meditate on Jesus. Just try it, man. Just try meditating on him, thinking on him, on God, on his word, and watch what a difference it makes in your life. I know I'm going over a little bit, but let me just close with one last thing. And I don't know why I'm telling you guys this story. I'm not really sure why, but I'll tell you anyways. And Before I was a Christian, before I was a Christian, I used to go over Shelly's house. And I don't know why, but at midnight, her parents would kick me out. <laughs> right around there. And I would always leave her house right around that time. And I, I was... I wasn't a Christian. And I remember, though, I would get in my car, and I don't know why, you guys, I, this is weird. I'm just telling you what happened. It was, it was like I, I had like a fear inside of me. I had like a, a darkness inside of me. And I didn't know the Lord. I was doing drugs behind her back. I was drinking. I was involved in other things. I had a darkness inside of me. But for whatever reason, I remember when I would leave her house, I would turn on the radio to a Christian station because I knew that at that time, at that time, I want to say like 12.05 or whatever, there was a lady who would come on the radio and she had the most beautiful voice. And she would always quote this verse, Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And I think that was the Lord just beginning to plant seeds and telling me, Manny, you've lived a crazy life. And it doesn't make any sense that you would even have a piece of peace. But one day, I'm going to give you a perfect peace. And one day, you will experience the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And one day, you will experience not just the peace of God, but the God of peace. I'm going to show you how to do it. Because life is crazy. There's a lot going on in the world, in the church, in the family, you name it. There's things going on everywhere. But this is what we've learned, that I will fix my eyes on Jesus. I pray that you would have that in your heart. And I pray that you would do that. And if you're here and you have not yet done that, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? If not, if you don't have that assurance, I pray that today you would say, yes, Lord. I'm going to lift up my eyes to you, the one who died and rose again. And I'm going to make a decision in my heart to follow you. If you're out there, I pray you would do that today, the most important decision you'll ever make. Don't be afraid.